Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The wrestling business, or sports entertainment if you're Vince McMahon or Chris Jericho, is one based on emotions. And one emotion that seems to be a huge motivating factor within the industry is, of course, spite. Across the decades, there have been numerous examples of spite playing a factor in the very real actions of a wrestler or promoter. But the examples that we're going to be covering today on this list revolve around spite being used as a driving force behind a talent's finisher or signature move. So let's take a look at them. As I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are eight wrestling finishers made out of spite. Number 8. Jeff Jarrett has the stroke. During his second tenure with the then WWF in the late 90s, Jeff Jarrett was famous for having a huge fan in Vince Russo. By the time Jarrett jumped back to WCW in 1999, Russo was already in Ted Turner's wrestling promotion and running creative. As such, Vinnie Roo immediately wanted to make Jeff Jarrett into one of the company's top guys. Throwing shade at those who'd lambasted Russo for pushing too hard for Jarrett to get a main event run in WWE Double J's finishing move for his WCW return was a front face buster named The Stroke, which was a play on how Jarrett supposedly had stroke with WCW higher-ups thanks to being close pals with Russo. The Stroke would continue to be utilized by J-E-double-F upon he and his father forming NWA-TNA, with this again leaning into how much political say and control Jarrett had behind the scenes. I mean, what better way for a heel to flaunt their backstage pull than by using a move dubbed The Stroke? Whether in WCW or TNA, this was slapping the audience in the face with power, whether kayfabe or not, that the chosen one could wield. Jarrett did actually start occasionally using a front face buster as a finish during the final days of his proper run with the WWF, but more commonplace at that point was seeing old slap nuts get a win via a guitar shot, a figure four, or even the odd running DDT. Number seven, Wardlow looks to outdo Brock Lesnar. Now, not all air quotes spite has to be hate-driven or underhanded, as this is especially the case of a. EW's Wardlow, because his F10 finishing move is clearly a fun way to play on those mild Brock Lesnar comparisons, whilst also indicating that the War Dog signature maneuver is even more deadly than Lesnar's. Unless you were from the Pittsburgh area, few were aware of Wardlow before he turned up at MJF's side on AEW programming in late 2019. And the dude looked jack. He had some impressive power maneuvers and was the perfect heater for the uber prick MJF to play off. By all accounts, Wardlow only started using the F10 once he signed with AEW. 
you. Prior to that, the Ohio native put opponents away with a fireman's carry into a front-swinging neckbreaker. Tweaking that for his arrival in All Elite Wrestling, the fireman's carry element was maintained, but Wardlow now launches his opponents off in a way that is essentially a spinning F5. So, if Brock Lesnar's F5 is so powerful and decisive, how much more powerful and decisive would an F10 be? As the AEW roster found out the hard way, the F10 is a lethal finishing move. Well, that's if Wardlow even opts to use it, because he's also got the pop-generating powerbomb symphony at his disposal as well. Number 6. The Rock Runs Back the Montreal Screwjob at Survivor Series 1998 With The Rock white-hot and positioned as a near-equal to Stone Cold Steve Austin in the babyface ranks, Survivor Series 1998 took all of that fan support and took a giant dump on it. In the finals of the Deadly Game tournament for the vacant WWF Championship, the People's Champion joined forces with Vince McMahon, screwing over poor mankind and all of a sudden became the corporate champion. It was quite brilliant to see all of this play out in real time, but where was the spite involved in all of this, I hear you ask? Well, that comes in the form of Vince deciding to run back the controversial Montreal screwjob as part of the heel turn for Rock. As Mick Foley and Rocky faced off at Survivor Series, the Great One locked Foley into a sharpshooter, a move never used before by The Rock, and complete with Earl Hebner as referee, McMahon called for the bell and declared The Rock the winner. The fix was in, the crowd was pissed, and this was the ever-spiteful Vince McMahon very much taking a shot at Bret Hart and those who had berated VKM for what went down in Montreal at the prior year's Survivor Series show. Number 5. The Shattered Dreams It's well known that Dustin Rhodes and his legendary father Dusty weren't on the best of terms by the time The Natural departed WCW and headed off to the then WWF in late 1995. As Bruce Pritchard put it on his Something to Wrestle podcast, Dustin and Dusty were estranged at this point. Following his King of the Road bout against Bunkhouse Buck, Dustin and his opponents were both fired after bleeding in said contest. Of course, this was when WCW had a strict no-blood policy in place, although in Rhodes and Bunks' defense, it was Agent Mike Graham who encouraged them to get the juice on. Seeing the gold dust idea as a way to step out of his old man's shadow, Dustin jumped at the chance to embrace this new persona when WWF presented it to him. The gold dust name itself was in reference to Dusty, with the American Dream having had that word emblazoned on his trunks at times over the decades. As for Goldie's signature moves, he would torment opponents with the curtain call and then the shattered dreams. Shattered dreams? American dreams? Issues with Dustin and Dusty at the time? It's not hard to piece that particular puzzle together. The caveat with the shattered dreams mind is that this maneuver was only successful as a finisher if the referee was distracted, as the move was literally a straight kick to the balls of Goldust's opponents. Number 4. Kane one-ups his brother Right, okay, so for this entry, you very much need to have put your kayfabe hat on. Because upon spectacularly debuting at October's 1997's Bad Blood event, Kane wasted absolutely no time at all in dropping The Undertaker with a tombstone. Within a matter of minutes, the big red machine had dominated the phenom in a way never before seen. Likewise, in those sparse few moments, Kane had made an explosive, impactful debut, the likes of which had rarely ever been seen. At this point in time, Paul Bearer claimed that Undertaker purposely burned down his family's funeral parlor, which resulted in the death of Taker's parents and the scarring, both mentally and physically, of the dead man's younger brother, Kane. For Undertaker, he claimed it was Kane and his pyromaniac ways that was the cause of said fire. Storyline-wise, the arrival on WWF TV of the devil's favorite demon saw Kane mirroring his sibling's signature moves in a way that was done to disrespect Undertaker. In order to spite his brother, the fire enthusiast took all of Taker's key spots and arguably did some of them better. Number 3. Jim Ross joins the Kiss My Ass Club Okay, okay, the Kiss My Ass Club was not a finishing move per se, but it is something that certainly had a level of spite involved in it at times, particularly in the instance of Jim Ross's induction to this infamous club. Of course, 
course, good old JR was regularly poked fun at and embarrassed by Vince McMahon during Jim's stints with the WWE, with such moments usually being majorly in poor taste. So when Raw happened to stop by Ross's home state of Oklahoma, he feared McMahon had something in mind for the legendary commentator on that night. And that something would see JR join McMahon's Kiss My Ass Club, as The Undertaker turned heel and forced Ross to suck on VKM's backside. As Ross has since detailed on his Grillin' JR podcast, he obviously hated the notion of the Kiss My Ass Club, hated the notion of joining the group, and likewise hated the notion of doing so in front of his family and friends. JR explained how he knew Vince would want to do something to spite him in front of a crowd that would be so pro-Ross, and thus the decision was made for McMahon to drop his pants and get the WWE Hall of Famer to pucker up. Number 2. The Undertaker's Reputation Created the People's Elbow Now, One of the descriptive breakdown terms when defining spite is to annoy or irritate. For The Rock, such want to playfully irk somebody was what actually led to the creation of the People's Elbow. You see, the People's Elbow is one of the most absurd, ludicrous, nonsensical moves in the history of professional wrestling. You have the Great One take a solid 20 seconds to peel off an elbow pad, followed by another few seconds of taunting, and then hitting both sides of the ring before then delivering even more gesticulation, and finally, finally, dropping an elbow to an opponent. And after having to lie there through all of that, said opponent more often than not ate a 1-2-3 pin. So how did Dwayne Johnson come up with such a ridiculous signature? Well, that was apparently down to The Undertaker. Ever the serious, stoic sort, obviously despite being an undead wizard with a penchant for limp biscuit, Taker was all about keeping things all business when between the ropes. Priding himself on being the unflappable, no-bullshit leader of the then-WWF, the phenom was dour and sour when in action. Taking this as a personal challenge, The Rock debuted the people's elbow as a way to poke fun at The Undertaker's demeanor and attempt to get the dead man to crack up. And after seeing the crowd reaction to the move, well, the rest was history. And number one, The Young Bucks Meltzer Driver. For as passionately as some fans adore The Young Bucks, there are also others who just as passionately despise the antics of Nick and Matt Jackson. And in their Meltzer Driver double-team finishing maneuver, the Bucks have a move that was created to further irk the haters. Prior to the Meltzer Driver, the Jacksons would often put opponents away with their patented indie taker. That spot called for Matt to hold a rival in a tombstone position, and then Nick would spring into the ring and push said rival down at the same time Matt dropped that opponent headfirst into the mat. So after seeing all of the backlash that they were receiving from some quarters for merely being flashy spot monkeys who had dirt sheets in their back pockets, the Jacksons decided to lean further into this narrative in order to make themselves even more hated and also beloved. To do that, Nick suggested adding an utterly needless front somersault to his springboard jump into the ring. The story goes that even Matt thought this was a little bit too much, and he required some convincing to try what would become known as the Meltzer Driver at night two of the PWG Battle of Los Angeles 2014. There, the Bucks hit this new variation of the Indytaker, and the insane reaction from the crowd and their fellow wrestlers let the Young Bucks know that they had struck gold. Or, if you were on the other side of the coin, they'd made themselves even more detested, which is exactly what they wanted. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.